So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard as part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double tap does what the f he wants. Hello everybody and welcome along to What's The Story Podcast, WTS 103, coming to you from Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel, check out FitzpatrickCastle.com. My name's Danny Murray. My name's Graham Merrill Merrigan. Alright. Did that very professionally, didn't we? Did, yeah. I'm yeah, ready. I like it. I like it. Ready good for man. the next few weeks of WTS. Love it, we've got a good, man, we're very organised. We're busy till July. Very organised. We've got like a lot coming up, lads. So stay tuned. I feel great and very content. Yeah. Did that come across on the... Gave me a fry. Just, just a car That's the window it? open for you. You need the window oh, open. It's the very, window's open. It's very humid. Very humid. Very, very. Or as um, I not so delicately put it, sweaty ball weather. <laughs> <laughs> oh is. man, I was in Portugal where it was 30 degrees. It was rotten. Oh, I would say that is proper sweaty I hate the sun. I hate sun worshippers as well. I don't understand people who Actually, I don't mind sun worshippers. That's very personable. I just don't. Some worshippers judge me when I sit in the shade. Yeah, no, I, I've no interest in sitting out and being scorched. No, neither do I. I can't understand people who will put oil on themselves and then sit under a blazing sun. Yeah, and then whinge that they've sunstroke. Yeah, yeah. Bleeding mad things. You'll look like a saddle by the time you're 35. <laughs> Calm yourselves down. Where are we, Dan? I've done it at the start, Graham. Did you do yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So we're all over that? We're done. Dead. Like, we're professional. Do you want to start watching? <sighs> The Putin interviews. Interesting. With Oliver Stone. Oh, okay. It's on Sky Atlantic. It only started. So this is gonna this is Sunday. Right. They started last week on yeah. Sky Atlantic. Um I think it's in uh, kind of collaboration with HBO. So they're actually going out at two in the morning. Right. Um every night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week. So I've watched two out of four. Right. It's very interesting. That Oliver is. Stone, one-on-one with Vladimir Putin from February, I think, 2015 to February 2017. Interesting. And it's access all areas with Putin. They sit down, interview wherever yeah. they go. See, here's the thing, right? Yeah. And I know, pe- pe- sorry, I know people are straight away going to be like, oh, no, he's bleeding dictator and he's this mm. and he's that and all that. But when you just watch him, the own interviews, and you just listen to him, you suddenly find yourself kind of going, He's not wrong. All right, lad. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from there. Well, uh, well, I'll say he's not wrong. He's not wrong on... I, I, believe he's, I don't believe he's wrong on certain foreign affairs 100%, issues. 100%, yeah. Obviously, he's wrong on human rights issues. Yeah, well, and he, like he discusses... He, Oliver Stone doesn't... No, he doesn't pull punches. He doesn't pull yeah. punches. I'd, he I'd heard about this ages ago, but I completely forgot. Probably because... It only were, aired last yeah, week. Yeah, I was going to say, if they were recording it you're gonna nearly love them. T- two years ago. They're an hour... An hour each. I'm definitely going to watch these. Man, I watched two while I was off and I was hooked. I yeah. didn't, like you said though, you, you sit down and you're listening to Putin yeah. and you're kind of going, right, he's not wrong there. Like, I love it. There's an interview with him where... And, and, um, and I'm purely basing that on his opinion of America and stuff like that. I was going to say, there's an interview with him where 
um, a journalist talks about Russia the aggressor. Yeah. And Putin just kind of sits back for a second and, and then he just leans back into the mic and he goes, Russia aggressor. Tell me, when did Russia evade the Middle East and when did Russia cause... And he just lists off yeah, all the problems off. and all that. Kind of pretty much, now, that's what you're going to yeah. get with the Oliver Stone interviews. Um, now, he conveniently kind of skirts over the whole Afghan war like that. Mm. Well, Russia, when they were in Afghanistan kind of thing. But, but, even he, at that, but he, go, he, he, he bypasses that on the basis that he wasn't involved. Yeah, I was going to say, but even at that, that's Soviet Union. Putin took charge in 99, I think. Yeah, 2001. Was, oh, Yeltsin. Yeltsin handed it over to him. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. Um, Pretty sure it was 99 or 2001, certainly around that area. Yeah, around then. Cause the he was Ruble, KGB director. Yeah, the ruble was through the floor. Yeah. And then Putin comes along and says, like, I love the, the whole thing. It's a great book called Once Upon a Time in Russia. Brilliant. It's by the same guy who wrote Bringing Down the House, which is made into the film 21 with uh, Kevin Spacey. Did you ever see it? It's the lads from MIT and they got to Vegas counting cards. Don't think so, man. Brilliant film. Um, it's based on a true story. Um, but uh, it's the same bloke who wrote that, wrote this Once Upon a Time in Russia. Really? And it's about Putin and the oligarchs. It's amazing. It's this, these interviews are just astonishing. I mean, yeah. like, now they, like, they touch on uh, homosexuality as well. Yeah. And he's like, he goes on completely frank. He says, and and this is where I don't agree with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of goes on about um, uh, children have the choice when they're 18, but when they're under 18, pretty much saying when they're under 18, we don't want to know, but when you're over 18, do what you want. But I don't believe that's the circumstance. No, I, that's I the don't. situation in yeah, Russia. I don't believe that either. But I think on his foreign affairs issues, when we hear like back in the day, W. Bush, w. Bush saying bad stuff about Russia because mm. they didn't do this, that and the other. And we hear Hillary Clinton saying Russia's the aggressor and this, that, and the yeah. other. Like, he counters Oliver Stone's... Now, Oliver Stone doesn't have an agenda. Yeah, yeah He's yeah. just putting it to, well, the American people think this, this, that, mm. and the other. What do you have to say about that? And he gives very clear and concise responses yeah. where you're kind of just going, all right, Vlad. See, it's, it's weird. Right, he, can, he can come across, like, that whole thing, like, he can come across almost likeable and you do find yourself kind of going... Fair point, well made, yeah, okay. Yeah. But then you kind of 100%. Think, then you go, do you know what? No, because at three o'clock in the morning, he's picked up a phone and definitely given a, an order to kill someone. Do you think, yeah. hundred, man, the amount of journalists to go missing in Russia. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And the amount of, like, opposition that just, you know. I wonder, because I've only watched two from four, I wonder if Oliver Stone brings up the missing Russian journalists. It'd oh, be yeah. interesting because be. there was a section in, in the interview, in one of the parts, where... Um, Stone uh, mentioned about Russia owning the media and Vlad was like well no we don't there's hundreds and hundreds of media outlets and we can't control them all well that's what he says you, know you see I mean? th th there might be but a lot of them are very very restricted and look state run media in Russia is far more prevalent than anything else yeah yeah you know what I mean and like <sighs> there's a scene you'd love in it mm. Oliver Stone goes to watch him play ice hockey yeah love it <laughs> Love it, he's man. 63 Vladimir Putin yeah, I know did you ever see him in judo yeah they oh show him judo God. man he just flings people they around they show him like. at judo and they show him in his residence and they show him in the Kremlin and, and he loves dogs It's and he loves horses yeah but it's I would strongly recommend anyone I've been downloading them on they've been on as I said they've been on at like 2am or something like that but you can download them on uh, the Sky Player I, I definitely will be watching them because um, 
I'd have I'd have a genuine interest in that. Obviously. Both of us also finished House of Cards. Yeah, what was your opinion on House of Cards? Piss poor. I thought it was a poor season. I thought it started okay, but then it's almost as if they went, do you know what? What's actually happening in the White House in real life is very difficult to be, but we have to try and beat it. Yeah. And I just thought it just meandered and went fucking nowhere. There was no real cliffhanger sense yeah. as in previous seasons. I do um, like um, the editor of the Washington Herald yeah, getting a prominent yeah. role again. I did yeah. like that. Um, but there's... Tell me... Do you feel like this watching it? In this season, like, there's the new um, journalist with the Washington Herald. Yeah. He went with the Washington Herald, Herald and then he, I can't remember his name, the black fella. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there were scenes with him and his girlfriend where they're, like, pouring a glass of drink into a glass. And it just seems like it takes forever. Yeah. And even um, Claire Underwood, yeah. when she's pouring a drink or she's preparing food... It's like they're just wasting time by watching I, her chop an onion or something. I was going to say, there are a lot of them scenes where, and I suppose that's the artistic director looking to, you know what I mean? But what I do, like, it's something that... Those it, th- uh, scenes bug me, though. Yeah, it's something I think the House of Cards has done, and it's one of the reasons that's a great show, is the whole thing where um, Frank Underwood, like, has a soliloquy where he just turns to the camera and he's talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I like that. What I what I love is the fact that Claire has started to do it now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, look, we'll talk about that another time. It's time for our guest, Graham. Deadly. So our guest this week is host of the Global Village on News Talk and a regular contributor on TV3 as well, Dil Vikramas Singer. How are you? Well done on getting my name right. Yes. It's yes. pretty awesome because <laughs> normally yeah. people kind of fall over themselves, but it rolled off your tongue. Are you, yeah. are you Sri Lankan, Danny? Uh, I have a little bit of Sri Lankan in me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. okay. Just Very a good. Bit. Very it's good. Probably just a food, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sri Lankan food is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Actually, um, one of the guys in work, Sri Lankan, and we had a cultural day. They do it every year. Yeah. And it's like our office turns into like a food market. Sounds and good. they just walk around each desk oh, and my colleague um, Navin from Sri Lanka yeah. created all this Sri Lankan food it's quite vegetarian Navin. based I'd say Navin, you pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah you used to make it sound like Navin in <laughs> County Mead <laughs> Navo I call him Navo story Navo what is it with d- dubs we have a tendency of putting an O shortening people's name and putting with an O, o. so yeah. Deco Anto you know it's Navo. just Navo Navo from Sri Lanka yeah <laughs> Um, his parents are Sri Lankan and he, he was born and bred in London but the food was unbelievable and did he make it himself? yeah him and oh. his wife said he said they were up for a long time making yeah. the, preparing yeah. the food it was quite spicy though yeah there's no such thing as Sri Lankan fast food no. it takes long <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're up at the crack of dawn <laughs> cooking stuff yeah yeah and that's why I wouldn't make Sri Lankan very often but at le- I try at least once uh, a month at least to make um, you know, good curries because you wouldn't just make one curry. You know, like we're used to when you go to a restaurant, like an Indian mm. restaurant, you you order one curry. Yeah. But in Sri Lanka, it's part and parcel to have about five curries and then rice. You know, so you'd have a couple of vegetable curries, couple maybe a chicken curry, maybe some potato base. So it would take forever yeah. to to, and then you'd have to grind the spices from scratch. Ah, it's, That's yeah. what he was saying. Yeah, it's up to like two a.m. Yeah, 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 sweating yeah. and laboring over yeah. the field. So exactly. I, I love curry, you see. So yeah. like I'm all over that. I'm like, oh, yes, yes. I very hope you are. Up. I hope yeah, you are. No, Sri Lankan is very spicy. Yeah, yeah, very spicy. That's what you want, though. You don't want a curry that's bland. Man. You want and a bit. Do you, have you got spice? Do you? Oh no, it'd be very spicy. Sri Lankan food would be arguably spicier than. Indian food sometimes yeah. really? some people might say yeah um, and and like you, if you're a typical Sri Lankan you put 
your bacon and cabbage in front of them, they would just not e- be able to eat it because it's too bland. Too bland. They was like, "What? Well, what is this? What yeah. you give me dishwater? <laughs> I can't eat this." You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting because sometimes you know there's so many spices you can actually taste the taste of chicken or taste of fish or whatever but but it is lovely lovely uh, lovely cuisine if uh, you have the time to make it yeah mm. how did you adapt to irish food like spice bags and butter burgers uh, <laughs> i don't know but you can distill irish food to just that you know <laughs> i said i do love my dublin coddle uh, i make a good dublin coddle too. Really? Yeah, yeah yeah i do i do i do um no i ad- adapt i suppose because i didn't I'm not your typical Sri Lankan because um, your your pal might might be more um, more Sri Lankan than me because mm. perhaps he was probably born and brought up in Sri Lanka, whereas I was uh, born and brought up in Italy, uh, and then I moved to Sri Lanka when I was twelve. So I lived in Italy, in in Sri Lanka for about eight to nine years, and then I moved to Bahrain where I lived there for five years, working as a flight attendant, and now I'm in Ireland, seventeen years. So so yes. I, of course, my parents are Sri Lankan and it's part of my ethnicity, but I wouldn't fully call myself a Sri Lankan. Because at this stage, I'm mm. more a uh, global citizen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so a little bit of Italian, a little bit of Sri Lankan, where I think I have now technically spent more time in my life in Ireland than anywhere else. So I certainly uh, uh, would love... You know Irish culture yeah. and have a have an affinity to Ireland. Some sometimes even more so than I would to to Sri Lanka because I have only my parents there, and um, but everything that I love and adore is right here on Irish soil. So beautiful. And I'll, you I'll were you were born in Italy. Mm, born in Rome. In oh, Rome. Yeah. Love Rome. Yeah. Love Rome. Yeah. Rome's amazing. Yeah. Rome's beautiful. Yes. What was that like growing up in Italy? Uh, it was pretty. I mean, it's like it's funny because people have this romantic view of Italy, and it is. And and Rome is is a beautiful city, so so full of culture. Um, I have very fond memories of uh, of Italy, but I suppose there is a uh, my my link to it- Italy is not as strong because they they wouldn't give me Italian citizenship uh, ah. because birth alone does not entitle you to Italian citizenship. So. That can that can really mess up with the person's, I suppose, uh, sense of belonging. So I mm. never quite felt Italian because no matter, uh, even if it was the first language I spoke, it was you know the where I was born. I, I when I think of Italy, I think oh yeah, lovely place, have love some some lovely memories, um, but I don't have that really strong connection to it uh, because I don't have any relatives that live there. But having said that. The food, I mean, come on, Italian gelato. Oh, yeah, stop. You know, I'm stop. trying to get over to Italy uh, as often as I can because it's such a lovely holiday, and I mm. think most Irish people will agree, will agree it's a great holiday destination. Yeah. Are your family still over there? No, no, no. my family, uh, they moved back to Sri Lanka, and so pretty much everyone I know in my family would be back in Sri Lanka. I absolutely love the south of Italy. I, I got to go to Capri when we were in school we went on a school trip to Capri oh, like a school trip to Capri like, you know the gar- like garden yeah I like garden lovely yeah gorgeous yeah. But yeah, I just, you guys um, went to some posh schools eh? <laughs> yeah. down the road in Bally Brack down the road, that's yeah. when when we said it our mates were like what <laughs> just, like just completely unexpected yeah. that was a lot of gorillas from Bally Brack were running around <laughs> Robbing lemons off trees and all like ah <laughs> uh, that was well, that's, that's the done thing I, I remember yeah. as a kid we we did that we the loads of fields of uh, of watermelons yes. and that's what you do you just go robbing watermelons yeah, yeah. we we were just like because the the hotel we were staying in you go across the road and there was just like 
these blood oranges just hanging over the wall like ground and they were just dropping off but we were just like yeah thanks very much for breakfast <laughs> unbelievable they were really? man. delish blood oranges are the nicest thing in the world I don't think I've ever had a blood orange oh so good can you get them here yes yeah, yes, yes, bring them yes, in, yes, yeah. yes great they are well I've never great. had them um, and what brought you to Ireland then Dale what brought me to Ireland? Besides the cuddle. Yeah, 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 besides the cuddle, yeah. A few things. So I was um, living in Bahrain at the time, working as a flight attendant, and I found myself gravitating towards Irish people. So In Bahrain? Uh, in Bahrain, yeah. A lot, a lot of the flight uh, attendants, the uh, cabin crew were, were Irish. And uh, so I found myself, you know, something like 55 nationalities, you know, and each flight you had a mixed bag in the crew you know of different nationalities but it was always I for some reason I kept gravitating towards Irish people then um I started dating an Irish woman and then Riverdance happened it's it Michael Flatley and Jean Butler who's just gorgeous um yeah so there was a collection of things that happened and so the, the woman I was dating at the time was in the process of leaving Bahrain to return to Ireland and she said do you want to come with and I'm like well I've had enough of flying you know five years seeing the world, staying in five-star hotels, great and all, but the time to kind of move on and, and, and figure out what, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And, and I always felt Europe was somewhere I, I felt a sense of kind of belonging to. So And, and from an LGBT point of view, I knew it, it was a, a place where I felt I, I could perhaps live a full life and, and not um, feel that my sexuality was holding me back in, in any way. Discrep- so, not feeling this. The discrimination, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what made made me come to Ireland. And I suppose it really, um, the, I suppose I knew from the very onset that um, Ireland would be my home because, by pure chance, I arrived uh, in during Dublin Gay Pride. It was complete, complete, and utter coincidence that within Today? Twi- yeah, yeah, like, oh yeah, like, like within twenty four hours of touching. Uh, Irish soil, I found myself marching down O'Connell Street, singing and dancing to It's Raining Men, which I thought was... <laughs> no better ironic. song to sing yeah. to. No better song. <laughs> no better song, yeah. So, so that kind of sealed the deal for me, because initially it was a, mm, we'll see how it goes, and if it doesn't work, I can always go somewhere else. But uh, that was my first experience of being in a country where, in broad daylight, uh, the LGBT community... Of course, now, now, this is 17 years ago, so it was a much mm. smaller pride, but... It was great, you know, where yeah. I came from. Like, it, Italy is still very conservative. Uh, Sri Lanka, homosexuality is yet to be decriminalized. I was just going to say, uh, you, you, you were kind of seeking um, kind of like acceptance mm, by moving bit, from Bahrain, but you're in Italy. That was quite, they're quite discriminative. Yeah. And then Sri Lanka. Yeah, completely. Because and I had no Bahrain choice. Bahrain even as well. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I went to Bahrain... It was because was it was a ticket to get out of Sri Lanka. So I had a Sri Lankan passport, and most people will know when you have a a, a passport that is of a developing country, it's much harder to get anywhere with visas and work permits and all the rest. So I, I knew at the age of nineteen that I look just to go back a little bit. Yeah. One of the reasons why I emigrated, um, like a lot of LGBT people would from an international point of view, would be forced to emigrate, to look for a country where they could be themselves. So the reason why I left Sri Lanka was uh, when I was 17, when I came out to my parents, the immediate response was to kick me out of the family home. So I was homeless for about three years. 
And then I managed to get myself back on my feet. I got a job in radio and I knew then and there that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I thought things were going great. Okay, fine. My family have turned their back on me, but at least I found the career that I want to do and the job, my, my dream job. But six months down the road, I got fired when my boss realized I was a lesbian. And he said, look, we oh can't have God. your sort on, on Sri Lankan. Your yeah, sort? Yeah, yeah, your sort, yeah. So wow. out you go. So I was 19. And like as much as that hurts, you know, you can just imagine how, how painful that was. It was actually a, a great lesson or um, for me because I knew then I had to get out of Sri Lanka. I, mm. I, I knew that, okay, my parents are not, not going to have anything to do with me. I, I was not going to be able to have a career and sure as hell I was not going to find uh, someone that I could actually live, a, you know, a, 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 have a relationship with and perhaps even have, have a family. So so very early on I realized I had to get out there. And that's why I went to Bahrain because I just happened to come across a, an ad in the paper looking for pe- people who um, who had a couple of languages who'd be interested in traveling the world and working as a flight attendant. So I never envisaged myself to work as a flight attendant, but I thought, look, it'll get me out of Sri Lanka halfway to a country that will accepting. be accepting. Yeah. Exactly. So whether it's, whether it was Europe, whether it was the US or it was Australia, I knew this was a, a great, great place to, to, to go to. Even but, though I knew it was kind of like a taking a step back because Bahrain would be very conservative mm. from, from a Muslim point of view. But, but because I was a member of the expat community, I could do anything I want. You know? And most yeah. of the time I was outside of Bahrain anyway because I was flying. You must be um, at that age to be kind of thrown out essentially by your parents and then losing a job all in the space of, what, two, three years. Mm. You must be a very strong <laughs> individual to kind of because your, your family don't have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. So what was what was that like at such a young age? Yeah. But that's not the, the half of it, okay. to be honest. Because that, that is like towards the end of uh, like the, the dark period of my life. But the, it really all started when I was... The reason why I moved from Italy to Sri Lanka was because my parents, um, their marriage just fell apart. So the whole family went into crisis. And that's why we moved to Sri Lanka. And then during that time when they were trying to figure out what to do with themselves and they were fighting and there was domestic violence and all the rest, they lost sight of me. And I became a victim of sexual abuse by the hands of a teacher. And I remember the first class I went to, this was, it was my maths grinds teacher. And in my very first class, I knew there was something not right about this man. Like, no matter how young and how innocent you are as a child, you know when you're in the presence of danger. And I knew immediately. So after the class, I went straight back home and I told my mother, there's something not right about this man. But of course, my mother, and I think a lot of people of that generation, A, probably didn't believe what children said and, and probably felt no one of that who, who's, who's like, I suppose, a respectable person who's like a, a maths teacher, who's actually a, a principal of a local school, uh, could possibly do a thing like that. So when I got that response from her, I thought, okay, I, I, I can't say anything else because obviously I'm, she's not going to believe me. So I completely shut down and didn't say anything. And the abuse just spiraled out of control. And then two years later, I failed my junior cert as a result. I, I got straight A's in all subjects, but when it came to maths, I, I got a U, which is uh, not even good enough for a fail. Yeah, okay. you know? So then, And then in th- that summer after 
Fairy my junior said I got expelled from school because the school in, in Sri Lanka, much like Ireland, you have to pass maths to go on to do your leaving cert. So I just thought, and my parents thought, this child is not academically gifted. I thought I was stupid uh, and um, didn't, didn't realize that that was all obviously connected to the trauma I'd experienced. And that summer, summer of 1987, I, um, I met a girl. Uh, I forgot to mention, amidst all of this, my, sorry, my parents became Jehovah's Witnesses. So overnight, we went from being Catholics, quite liberal, to being very conservative religious family. Wow, so no yeah. birthdays, no Christmas, no yeah, none of no that. Anything. So, yeah, so so that summer of 1987, I fell in love with another Jehovah's Witness girl, as you do. And, uh, and in I Sri Lanka? Need, no, this is in oh, Italy sorry. now. We, in, were, sorry. Uh, we were spending the summer in, in Italy at that stage. Um, and, so you, uh, you, you had to sign up to Jehovah's Witness as well? Yeah, yeah, well, in fairness, there was no choice because my mother became one, my father be- became one, and I just knew that <laughs> life would not be worth living if I didn't if become didn't, one too. Yeah. So, Anything um, for an easy life. Yeah, exa- and that, that's exactly how I was trying to. I'm just going to try and get through this uh, as painlessly as possible and just keep my head down. And um, But of course, that was impossible when I realized I was gay. And no matter how much I tried with prayers and preaching and whatever, you know, religious people do to try and suppress that part of themselves that they know is going against every, every, I suppose, scripture that they've ever read. Mm. Um, I knew I couldn't suppress it. And I knew the moment my, I, tell, I told my parents it would just be World War Three, and it was. So my life imploded. And, 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 but I have to say, looking back now, one of the best things that ever happened was my parents kicking me out of the family home. And it's, you know, it's taken me many years to come to this place and many years of therapy to say this, but it got me out of that world, that very close-minded, um, uh, very uh, uh, rigid, uh, just unhealthy, cult-like mm. world. And, and, and it got me away from them and it got me to a place like here. You know, so so of course it was very painful when it happened. You know, because the last thing you think, you know, the, the individuals that actually created you, you know, your parents, you yeah. think they'd be the last people to turn their back on you. But actually, that was the best thing that happened. And you told them because you fell in love with someone in Italy, is yeah, it? Yeah, it was because I not only had fallen in love with her, but it was because I knew this was a part of me that I just could not turn my back on. Because it was, I I knew there was always something different about me because I I didn't fantasize about you know george michael and you know all these you know 80s star who's gay as christmas like how did we all not know that he was gay uh duran duran and all that all and i was just completely besotted with madonna and and i, I thought that was completely normal and of course it is normal mm. but everything around me kept telling me that wasn't normal you know so so i i don't genuinely i don't think i'd be here talking to you if i was still if i had if that hadn't happened yeah you know because you know, with mental health, I had a lot of mental health issues, and chances are I probably would have um, just, you know, deteriorated. Yeah, deteriorated to a point where I would have taken my own life, uh, wow. because that those negative messages around me were very much about, you know, there's something wrong with you. You're an abomination. I remember my parents actually calling me an abomination, uh, unnatural, a failure, and I, my father actually at one point even said I should kill myself because I'm such a, oh you know, just a disappointment to them, you know. So so I'm able to say all that now as a 43-year-old woman because I'm, I'm this big distance between me and what happened, you know. And, and I've, my life has, is really full with a lot of joy, you know. I'm married to a wonderful woman called Anne-Marie. I'm, 
I've got a son who's two. We're expecting a second child now. And congratulations. Yeah, I'm just delighted yeah. with, with it all. And of course, a great career in media and in mental health. So, you know, it, it's great. And anyone listening to this who, who is going through the wars and is maybe, maybe experiencing a, a fraction of even what I went through, it gets better. Just hang in there. Especially, yeah. especially like hang in there, especially to the people who might be in their teenage years and they're probably trying to oppress um, their natural f- feelings and towards their sexuality as well. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter how progressive we have gone since the marriage referendum, there are going to be still teenagers out there kind of saying, no, I don't want to tell my dad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, kind of anecdotes that I've read over the years, it always seems to be um, the teenagers that are fighting this simply because they're afraid to tell their father, mm. not their mother. Yeah. It's always afraid to tell their father in the Irish kind of family system. Mm. But uh, yeah, Jesus, that is such an amazing, inspiring story, though. Mm. You just reminded me, that I knew of a woman who, um, who, whose mother knew she was, you know, she's an Irish woman, whose mother knew she was a, a lesbian. And practically on a deathbed, the mother said, whatever you do, don't tell your father. Yeah, practically on a deathbed, and then like literally uh, wow. hours later, she 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 passed on. Can you imagine the kind of shame and guilt that this woman felt that she she had to keep this away the from burden. the and her mother's dying wish was that you don't tell your father. You know, so I mean, this was years ago, now, years yeah. ago, and I like it, you, know, you have to, you know, it, this is the week of Dublin Pride. Yeah. You know, the launch yeah. was just uh, the, this week, and of course next weekend uh, on the twenty fourth is the big parade. You know. It is so much better than what it used to be. Yeah. You know, thanks to the internet, you know, people, no matter how, where they're living in rural Ireland, you know, they're just one click away from getting support and and hearing positive stories. You know, so we have come a long way. And but sure, this week, Ireland has has elected uh, uh, a gay shock. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 crazy. Like, and some people say, well, the people didn't quite elect him. Okay, well, uh, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a technicality, but technicality, still, but still, yeah, he's there. Still, yeah, yeah. It's, and he's the youngest, and he's the son of a migrant. So, you know, I'm not a fan of his politics, and I know a lot of people would find him very conservative, but still. People growing up in Ireland, young people growing up in Ireland, can, can are going to be very inspired by the fact that to be a Taoiseach, you don't have to be necessarily a, a white, yeah. a, a, you know, straight guy. Yeah. You can be brown and gay. Yeah, gay. yeah. and thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah. thirty-eight. <laughs> um, it is. It's kind of mad that like all all this is kind of tying in at the same time. As you said, it's it's, it's Pride Week and and the parade is coming up, and it it is that kind of thing. And to, to almost pigeonhole though, it, it's you tend to hear those stories like the the example you gave of you know on, on a woman's deathbed saying to her daughter don't tell your dad like mm-hmm. you, those stories you kind of hear tend to be attributed to rural ireland yeah and you know where it's still a little bit more conservative than outside the city and I, I remember when i was in college one of the lads came out and everyone was just kind of like all right we, we kind of knew mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i mean there's only a certain amount of flamboyance you can hide um, yeah. but like him going to Pride like was he couldn't believe that this was going on you know not it doesn't happen outside Dublin but when he seen it he was like there is a community for me there is something there I can actually go places now and talk to people openly and become who I am yeah. you know yeah. but, but still the things are not as I said all rosy because there's still issues like that happening yeah. you know? and especially from a, and it's interesting because I think 
uh, very like I work in um, I co-founded a, a mental health support practice called Insight Matters with my wife, mm-hmm. right? And we we set up Insight Matters mainly to provide mental health support to the LGBTQ community because we felt there wasn't a service that was uh, inclusive and and supportive of those services, and and, it, and we set up by people of the community for the community, you know, and and unfortunately, you know, although coming out uh, as gay or lesbian is actually much more accepted now. There's still the odd story and odd, odd situation where it's not. But I'll tell you where we need to really uh, focus and, and open up our, our, our minds is around gender identity. Yeah. Because the, what does the Q mean in the LGBT? Queer. Queer. Oh. queer. Okay. So, so queer could be queer or questioning. And queer is anyone who wants to call themselves queer. Yeah, so yeah. so it's a bit more complicated than than being lesbian or gay. But uh, I thought tra- that was the identity or something, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but tra- from a transgender point of view, you find the most liberal parents um, being able to, you know, very easily accept if a child came out as being gay or lesbian. But mm. if a child came out as being transgender and wanting to go through the the gender reassignment process, that is pretty hard because yeah. you you know even before a baby is born the first question is they ask you do, they, do you know if it's a boy or a girl mm-hmm. like gender is such so, so deeply ingrained in our culture uh, that when someone decides to actually know um, I, I, I need to come out in my true gender the, the whole world around them it pretty much is what used to happen before when people used to come out, come out as gay or lesbian yeah. now that's what's happening to people who are transgender so you'll have you know a, married fathers you know coming out to their wife or their children as being transgender and literally overnight the wife not wanting to have any to do with him and the mm. children want not wanting to have any to do with him. the same goes for uh, a woman so we need to really open up our uh, minds about this because this is the the often people say transgender rights are almost uh, 30 years or 40 years or 50 years behind lesbian and gay rights yeah and how can how can can the government help in any way? Well, we have legislation, and th- and this is the interesting thing. The same year of the marriage referendum, I, I'm sure almost if, if everyone in Ireland would would remember May 2015 for the historic time, historic marriage referendum. But I'm sure very few people will know that in the same year, in September, only a few months later, Ireland passed what you call the Gender Recognition Act, which makes Ireland the fourth most progressive country in the world when it comes to transgender when it comes to gender recognition so in ireland if you are um a transgender you don't actually have to go through to a um uh the gender reassignment process as in go from one box which is either male or female into the other box you know where here you can actually self-determine you don't have to go through any operation or anything like that mm. if, if you feel you're a man and you want to declare yourself as a man all you have to do is that and then you know set, fill out a few forms and hey presto you are now you know, male, you know. So so, so that happened in September 2015. But I'd say most Irish people are unaware of that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so it's a lack yeah. of awareness. So a lot of people know, oh, wow, Ireland is a country where two women can get married and two men can get married. But most people don't know. It's a country that people, from a transgender point of view, they have the legislation that Dr. Lydia Foy, uh, to, uh, a, a woman who fought for 23 years and took Ireland to the European courts and was able to win that. But uh, but again, it, the information hasn't quite filtered down to the ground. And that's why when it comes to uh, uh, awareness, when it comes to discrimination and prejudice, you know, people are still very much, uh, you know, 
they will just discriminate towards transgender people as mm. opposed to before um they they wouldn't they would discriminate towards a gay or lesbian person you know? mm. so yeah. yeah and there's children as young as four and five that are coming out to their parents as being transgender and the parents are like what yeah you don't know what to do yeah. do that, they? it's that kind of thing as well though at that age it'd be very easy for the parents to almost dismiss it because you're a child, you don't know what you want. It's a phase. It's a phase, yeah. It's a phase, you know. You grow out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it, it, it's kind of mad. Like, it, it, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, and this is going to sound ignorant, but I'm almost too lazy to care if somebody says they're a man, they're a man, if somebody says they're a woman, they're a woman, and that's all there is to it. Like, I'm, I, I don't understand why people would object in any way or have the energy to object to it in any way. Something it, that it doesn't seems, affect them. Yeah, why it's, would it's baffling to me, you know. But it's a little bit more complex than that because we are, see we are, we we look at gender as being two boxes, male mm. or female. But the reality is, like sexuality, it's on a continuum. Yeah, it can be know? fluid. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so you could have um, someone who's non-binary who mm. doesn't identify as being male or female, you know, and. And most, like, again, our society is all about male toilets, female toilets. You know, everything has to be you know, pink for girls, blue for boys. The, the shared toilets thing is one that baffles me. People getting upset about shared toilets. I'm like, you live in a house with a shared toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, all your life you've had a shared toilet. It's yeah. weird going out and not having a shared toilet. Event. Like, I don't get, you know what I mean? But anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, no, absolutely right. You know, I mean, yeah. So it just changed because for me... Like a lot of people always would say, oh, this is all nonsense and the world is getting confused. But put all that aside, as I said, mm. if a child as young as five knows instinctively that they are, you know, there's something there between their legs that shouldn't be there or there's mm. something that should be there. And, and they're telling you that and they're coming to a point where they, you know, there's, there's, there's enough cases of actually little, little boys that you're trying to cut their own penis because they feel that shouldn't be there, you know. So, so that's no longer a phase. So... If a parent sees this, I know if it's hard because obviously a parent has at, at this stage, you know, taught. I have a, I have, I have a, I have a son. I have a son, and now you're suddenly telling me I have a daughter. Yeah. So, so you have, of course, it takes time for the parent to to realize this. But there's a lot of information out there for them to educate themselves. But they have to support the child yeah. because the sooner the child, um, you know, gets the necessary support and treatment, they can actually then get on with their life because the the the, the key is. Get on, you know, uh, the what you call the the hormone blockers, you know, the whatever you have to take to stop developing fully mm. into the gender that uh, that you're not, and then get on the right track. And again, this might be me coming out of purely from a point of ignorance, but I I read before, and I can't remember where I seen it, but it was it was somebody making the argument about um, the whole non-binary and, and being gender fluid, mm. and they were going to kind of the length of saying, you know. When you're having a baby, you should not give that baby a boy's name or a mm-hmm. girl's name. Mm-hmm. That they should be called baby until the point that they're old enough to choose their own. Exactly. I personally, I'm kind of like, I think that's a little bit much. If if the child at age four, at age five, or much further into their life decides, I'm not John anymore, I'm Jenna, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, then fine, have at it. But I, I don't know, is it? But can you not see, it's difficult. It's like coming out. Like mm-hmm. right now, gay people still have to come out. You know, straight yeah, which, people yeah. don't have to come out. No. Mm. You know, so why can't we just assume, uh, you know, they are what they are. Mm. And when they, you know, if they that, want to be attracted to boys or girls, whatever, as opposed yeah. to. And, and the same goes with gender, because once you start 
because it's not as simple as just giving a, a child a, a, a name um, that is either male or female. Mm. The, it, there's all the other stuff that goes with it. And and I, as a as a mom, I'm constantly having to to fight off stuff. You know, yes, I have yeah. a I know I have I have a son. Um, he's quite. I think he's cisgender, as in he's he's his gender matches his his sex. You know, so. Yeah. Um, and I can, and he's very much into cars and all. But he loves dolls as well, you know. Mm. And I'm constantly trying to stop people from saying, "Oh, he's a boy, and of course he's going to be like this." And of course, if you had a girl, she, he she'd be like that. And I was like, I, this, "Like society will put all these expectations on you." Yeah. And like just from a mental health point of view, I mean, this is this is I think anybody can can relate to this. A lot of boys would grow up with the idea it's not okay to ask for help. It's not okay to cry. It's not okay to to feel to look weak. You know, yeah. so so this is all attached to your gender. But mm. if you're a girl, it's totally fine for you to cry. It's totally fine for you to talk. It's totally fine to ask for help. So 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 it, that can all lead to if if uh, if uh, obviously if from a from a boy's perspective, you know, things like suicide. That that yeah. happens because boys have internalized the message that they can't ask for help and They're cry and so show is. their emotions, mm. you know, so you're constantly, you know, and what happens to boys and I'm, I'm so fascinated by this area because I have a son, you have to try and preserve the emotional side of boys. But what usually happens is that we are constantly suppressing the emotions, you know, yeah. and what happens, we, we encourage girls to be open and emotional and we, we tell boys to suppress their emotions. But what happens to boys at a later stage, because they suppress their emotions for such a long time, they act out. Either they act out in a way of harming the people around them by, you know, violence and antisocial behavior, or they act out by by actually harming themselves. Mm. So that emotion has got to go somewhere, you mm. know. So, so, so this is all connected in my head. It's all connected to gender. So, if you could move to to a to a to a world towards a world that we were we looked at all children as gender fluid and then let them decide like religion i always think why are we baptizing children when they're like 6 months you know yeah. shouldn't they decide what religion they of course, should be so why can't we pick gender neutral names and then let the child if they want to change their name to be more male or mm. more female name or decide themselves what did, they want did you take that approach at your song yeah Fe- phoenix. phoenix phoenix is a gender neutral name, name you know and even for number 2 we have picked a name that we're not going to share but it's also gender mm. neutral and and we didn't find out you know again are you having a boy or girl so we don't know you know whatever we have we have you know yeah. and uh, and we take it from there and then we'll we'll let the child lead if 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 we when you go to a toy store if phoenix was gravitating towards the dolls, we buy him the doll, you know. Yeah. But he, but I know parents would feel uncomfortable. And I'd sometimes, especially dads, would feel uncomfortable if their boy, yeah. or their son was playing with an ironing board or Hoover or a, or a, or a doll. And, and it, I think, and it's so interesting, if you have another child, if they see their father, you know, rocking their baby sister or baby brother or cooking or ironing, you know, they're only just wanting to mimic you, you know, yeah, but suddenly yeah. it's not okay for the, the, the boy to do yeah, it. Give yeah. Yeah. yeah, give him the football. Yeah, give him the football. Get the ironing board out, give him the football. <laughs> or give him the action figures. Um, you, you, you made a really good point about emotion there and about lads suppressing. When was the last time you cried, Craig? Um, last time I cried... Recent enough, was it? Was it 2015. Okay. I don't think I've cried. I can't remember of another time I've cried. 2015. 15. Yeah. That's that's two years ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. But I don't like. But I, I'm I'm very. If I want to cry, I'll cry. I don't yeah. care. Do you know yeah. that way. Yeah. I don't care what people think of me yeah. and whatever 
I was going to say walk of life, whatever, wheel of life. <laughs> so when you see a movie. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Um, I tell you what, I'm, I I'm, tried watching that Lion movie. Oh, oh so good. Yeah. So good. Oh, Dev yeah, Patel is yeah. so good. Yeah, I love yeah. Dev. Dev Patel in the newsroom is one of my favourite characters. I constantly talk about the newsroom on this yeah. show. It's one of the best TV shows ever. Yeah. But Dev Patel's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. But, and that little yeah. boy, like for me, when I see that little boy, and like in Sri Lanka, that yeah. would be so, it would be normal to see a f- little five-year-old you know walking around, walking around. by himself <laughs> where i know? cried was the, the stats at the end there was a six-figure eighty thousand children go missing in india every year wow yeah yeah, yeah. That is street kids that street kids and i said i, I like i i remember growing up in Sri Lanka seeing these children yeah. walking around on their own and and nobody well, cared but here yeah. in the in the west if there was a four-year-old five-year-old walking on the street you'd be like where's your parent yeah. quick call yeah, the police yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you yeah. really care where there there's just so many people and people are all rushing to kind of obviously make a make a living because they're all so you know struggling yeah. that they don't see what's happening the other emotional scene in that movie was when they showed actual footage of oh, his australian yeah. mother yes. going to the sri lanka pictures. to see his biological yeah. mother to, to india yeah the, the, the actual pictures that, that was gone yeah. what, was, oh, yeah. what was your point there not my, my point was just... Yeah, when was the last time you cried? And you said you cried when you watched Lion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah something so that's happened to me kind of naturally, that's when... No, just anything that evokes the emotion. Like, yeah, you know probably I mean? Lion. I went to see Lion a month I'm or two ago. absolutely brutal for songs when I'm in the car. <laughs> like, I would say at least once a week, I, I get glassy-eyed and have a little sob. But it's cathartic. Like, it, it, it's good, like... Do you know what I mean? What, what it, is it an emotional song or is it just the fact uh, that the music's so good or... I could be either. Like could be the, the words, maybe. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Well, the, the last one that got me, and it always gets me, but whenever you, there's two in particular, but whenever you hear them, they're belters, you turn it up to 11 and you go for it. Like, Mike and the Mechanics in the living years. Oh, that, yes. That'll get you every yeah. time. Yes. And then uh, Harry Shaven, Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, really? oh my God, yeah, that's so good. That oh, is an emotional song, Cats in the Cradle. But that'll, that'll get you every yeah. time. Like, yeah. you know? Cats in the Cradle, wasn't there... Uh, Ugly Kid Joe done a cover version of that a lot of people probably But wasn't there know. a campaign years ago? Um, Drink Driving... And it was the Cats in the Cradle song. Oh, I don't know. And it was a horrific scene of the a disaster on the road. And I was yeah. like, and the Cats in the Cradle. I was like, oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they no, well, I'm not afraid of the Cradle. Good. No. Yeah. Good. Never. No, it wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. I, 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 like, I feel better after having a little cry, if I'm being honest. And would you cry with your mates? Like, would you be open? Like, if you were you're having a chat with the mates, maybe having a drink, whatever, and then somebody says something and you actually tear up? If I got, yeah. yeah. I, well, I can't remember the last time I cried. Actually, I do remember the last time I cried in front of my mates. It was uh, when Ireland won the Six Nations in 2014. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> totally acceptable. I think there's arenas where men feel it's perfectly fine to yeah. cry. Yeah. So if your I team d- wins. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. it was Brian O'Driscoll's last match and we were in Paris and I... I we were crying when... Um, we had tears in our eyes when Connor won against Jose Aldo. Actually, yeah. That's what I always forget. Yeah. Sitting room. Yeah, that's right. Even when he beat Chad Mendes. I was, like, there I, I was like, there's water coming out of my eyes here. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's a sport. Yeah. I should be crying for sport. Yeah, it's it's something I don't understand. Like, why... Well, and as you said, it is. It's it, it's lads in particular like yeah. that. It's the macho man to suppress it. It's ridiculous. I'm like. not wanting to talk. And it goes back as well to the whole mental health issue. Yeah. It's like, they're just... Because it's all part of this. It's on the same track, you yeah, know. Yeah. For people to say, oh, how we raise our boys has nothing to do with the suicide st- stats. I think they're living on another planet. 100%. Yeah, and and we all more. have a responsibility for this. So starting, you know, with the, with the way we raise our children, <clears throat> to the way we, 
we talk to our nephews or you know the the boy next door or whatever we all have a responsibility yeah, to to make them feel that it's okay it, yeah. you know this emotion is part of being a human that's the great thing about being a human mm-hmm. you're not machines you <laughs> exactly know, so. you're not a rock yeah exactly. um, what was um what was it like in Ireland um to be a same sex same sex couple and uh have kids uh initially uh, it is it's it's it, there's an interesting story there because uh, Amri and I started trying um, about good four years ago, um, but I got pregnant September 2014, and it, it, like, I couldn't have planned it better because it was pretty much in the run-up of the marriage referendum. Yeah. Oh, you know, in fact, Phoenix was born the 17th of May 2015, the, the 20th, week of the marriage the referendum. Brilliant. And wow. our first outing. Like the first time we were able to actually leave the house, mm-hmm. you know, after giving birth was the day of the, the voting. So down to the polling station we went wow. with this newborn baby. That must have been emotional. Oh, emotional. Jeez, I didn't stop crying for that. Because he was meant to come the first week of June. But obviously with the the emotion around marriage, I'll never forget it. And, and every LGBT yeah. person will say this. And, and even people who are not LGBT will know the emotion that was around that time. It was oh, just yeah. the, the, the home to no campaign. There was a yes campaign. There were people canvassing. There was debates. And, you know, it was just, in many ways, it was wonderful. In many ways, it was absolutely awful. Because yeah. because you felt this, your country, and I, I actually, I'll sum it up really well, but by, by a friend of mine who's Irish, who was canvassing door to door, and she said that if Ireland hadn't voted yes and, and the no campaign had won, she would have had to emigrate. Because mm. there was no way she would be able to live in this country that basically Rejected collectively it. said, "You're no. a natural. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. You, you're not. Allowed, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be able to get married and be happy like every, the rest yeah. of us." You know. But so the, the beauty of that, though, and, and sorry for cutting across, yeah, and, there. yeah, and, thinking about it, and the whole just why we're talking about stuff that evoked emotion. People who had left the country coming back here to vote. To say yes. Oh yeah, coming home, home to vote. Home to vote. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That was one that I think that that was one where where you got this like tangible feeling of lumping your throat. Yeah, it was just. I would have like, cried there. Please yeah, let me cry there. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're well up. Yeah. But in in the run up to, so I suppose another reason why I think I went into labour early was because you know, I, being a journalist, you know, I, any opportunity to raise awareness about issues that are important to me. So whether it's LGBT rights, with its equality, with its migrant rights, with its breastfeeding, with its you know maternity uh, improvements in maternity services, whatever it was. So that time, I, I thought there was a lot of people, because especially because the No campaign was using children. They were saying, yeah. "Oh, don't let gays get married because you know children have the right to to have a, a mother and father, right?" And so I thought, look, let's maybe a lot of people are don't know uh, any gay couples that are hoping to have children so here I, i'm pregnant and you know if anyone who knows me and knows amory they'll know that we're really nice people you know uh, sound down to earth uh, so i th- i thought let's share this experience uh, so on social media whether it was on uh, through through tv radio i shared openly the fact that we were expecting a child and and we we were hoping to raise our son in a, in a country that was inclusive and and respected our, our our family situation and of course i was absolutely attacked abused i mean the social media um attack that i got was so bad like there was thousands and thousands of tweets 
from the no campaign uh, to, 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 it came to the point where I actually had to call the guards no I, I, could, I didn't feel safe that I could go home from I, the I, no campaign yeah from uh, people wow. who were supporting the, the no campaign so I felt I couldn't go to work I felt they were going to find my house you know because they were the stuff they were saying was so vile like like the worst the worst would, would, would be that they would you know they said a same sex couple having a child is as bad as you know two pedophiles having children you know that's yeah. that's how how low it was, and I experienced sexual abuse. So, so for for someone to say that to me, it was, it was very upsetting. And like I couldn't get my head around the fact that this is the kind of stuff that you wouldn't do to any human being, but let alone a pre- pregnant woman. Mm. You know, cause you, you don't know what mental state the person is. So, so yeah, so that was the the, the negative side of it. And 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 then of course when the vote came through and it was yes, it was amazing. And 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 it's really interesting how the marriage referendum has changed and improved the quality of the lives of same-sex couples because so when i announced my pregnancy in 2015 you know it was absolute and complete pandemonium and when i'm when we announced amory's pregnancy seven months ago not one single negative message not a negative tweet not a no letter, no hate mail, nothing. It you got a round all, of applause in yeah, the right Darcy show. Yeah, it was yeah. all about, you know, well done, was delighted for you, congratulations. We, we got the, the response, the, the, the normal response to yeah. when someone says yeah. they're, they're, they're expecting The acceptance. It. Yeah, the acceptance, exactly. So, so that just goes to show how powerful legislation is. Because overnight, I'm not saying that there's no homophobia in Ireland. It's mm. there. But because of the marriage referendum, people now know I can feel this way, but I can't get on a social platform and 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 you yeah. know vilify somebody for yeah. wanting to have kids. We're uh, we're running out of time, Jadil. But I suppose to, to almost change the the kind of trajectory a little bit. Then, and if Ireland is while there are stale issues, if it's a positive example in terms of you know equality, and you know rather we agree with Leo Thatcher for Edgar, do that a lot, been doing that a lot. <laughs> if we agree with him or not, at the end of the day, as you said, young migrant son. And he's homosexual, so you know. I mean, it, there's signs of progression there. But then you look to the situation across the water, and you've got Disaster. the Conservatives and the DUP, yeah. which is the maddest shit in the world yeah. ever. Like yeah. it is. You couldn't write this stuff. You couldn't you know, make this stuff, could you? No, it's it's bonkers. Like, yeah. and and it's so and it's so funny because there's a, there's another female prime minister uh, mm-hmm. who's just going to ruin it for every woman who wants to go into British politics because it's, it's like Thatcher all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's very worrying. And I feel I'm frightened because the more, because I feel the UK is just wrapped in fear right now. And, it's, and they're like putting up their borders and they're like, yeah, we're going to get out of Europe and we, we're just going to hunker down and just hold our, our, what is ours and make sure that nobody gets their hands on it. And that's just, they're painting a massive target around mm. their back. And mm. my worry is that there's going to be more and more of these attacks because they are just, they've become so close-minded and close-hearted mm. that they're just looking for trouble. Where I feel, you know, look at France and, and you know, it's a lot of Scandinavian countries, the horrible thing that um, it was Norway, you know, when they had that hor- horrendous... Uh, oh, no, uh, Andreas. Yeah, Breitling, yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, 70 
people, children yeah, mostly, were, were gunned down by this this person that was. He's just, a terrorist, but the the media mm. calls him a mass murderer. Yeah, which he is murderer. as well. Yeah, but he, it's but their response to to it was not let's just you know uh, torture him and and kill him and yeah. and and put up the borders and and do whatever we can to stop extremism. It was like no, we're going to tackle this with being even more open-minded and even being even more inclusive because mm. the, the the reality is the more inclusive a society is and and each person in a in a country feels that they can be whoever they want they're not going to want to wreck it yeah but the people who want to normally want to wreck something is because they have a, they've had all the doors have been closed in front like like my, I can feel I can empathize in, in a way because I know how I felt in Sri Lanka when my parents chucked me out when I couldn't get a job of course I could have been I could have become bitter and mm-hmm. angry and, and taken it out on the people around me thankfully I didn't do that I decided to leave and, and thankfully I came to I found a place like Ireland um, but you can just imagine how much a human being how much disappointment uh, and how much discrimination and prejudice and, and you know uh, uh, disappointment they can they can, ex- they can um, experience before they explode yeah yeah, yeah. um it, uh, what's the Chinese proverb? May we live in interesting times? Is that the Chinese proverb? I'm not up to speed with Chinese proverbs, no. unfortunately. <laughs> I thought, thought you might be. Do you think um, the LGBT community in England are let down now by going into the kind of coalition? Oh, with I'm the sure they are. I'm sure they are because DUP have a long history of being very anti, anti-gay and anti-gay uh, same-sex marriage. So, but But at the same time, they have they have advanced to such a level that there is, you know, um, there, there is a movement there, you know, there's mm. a very, it's not like, I suppose, um, there, there wasn't a movement and then there's this kind of regime that they can't, you know, like, like what's happening in Russia, you know, they, you, they can barely uh, stage a parade. Yeah. They, they, they or, or set up an organization that they're broken down, you know, mm. so at least in the UK, I, 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 even though I know it's going to be very disappointing, I have no doubt that they all the support groups. You know, they're they're going to really, uh, you know, this is even going to be bring them even closer. You know, even closer, yeah. Yeah. Um, just gone. I just want to ask a question about Leo. In your opinion, because um, I have read, like, like he, he he's um, obviously he's gay, but I have read that he's not quite tra- like traditionally gay, or in that he does he agree with same sex? Um, he doesn't. He, uh, he family yeah no because it, it's interesting because that's why I suppose I I, I wrote a piece only uh, this week about being cautious about celebrating in the, in the journal, yeah. Leo Varadkar as as a, as a Taoiseach because a lot of people will say ah aren't we great you know we have a gay young you know migrant sons you know as a, as a, as a Taoiseach you know how progressive and liberal are we I think we need to be very cautious about thinking that because the reality is Leo is very conservative uh, he, he, he may be all of that you know he, he's gay and right? all, all these multiple you know minority groups you know he, he, in his um, in his background but that doesn't necessarily make him a, a person who has a lot of empathy yeah because I, the first time I, I remember uh, noticing Leo was when he said we should pay unemployed migrants to go home and I thought that's rich coming from a son of a migrant. But then, having said that, his father is a doctor, so he. he so I don't think he has anything against uh, uh, rich migrants. Yeah. 
No. But he obviously has a thing against poor migrants. You know? so, so that's where the conservative right wing. Yeah, exactly. Comes in. And then in 2010, when like the Oireachtas, there was cross party support for the civil partnership bill. He, instead of being silent, he actually decided, no, actually, I'm going to speak against this and and say same. Uh, he actually said every child has a right to a, to a mother and father. And and he said, you know, he he doubted the suitability uh, of a gay couple or a lesbian couple to raise their children. Raise children. Uh, that's that to me is very contradictory. But but then at the same time I'm thinking that was 2010. This is before he came out, you know. So maybe he was hiding it, or yeah, maybe, maybe he was not in a good place. Because when you suppress mm. your identity, you don't. I I feel you can't really be a very kind, compassionate human being because maybe a little bit of you is a bit angry, you know. So maybe it's down to that, and maybe his views are, are different now. Um, I, I I want to give him the benefit of doubt, and also I want to give him benefit of doubt from a point of view that yes, he was all these things, but now that he's T shock, he could surprise us all and be a T shock that will represent all people and not just. The, the rich, the rich, and you know, yeah, the right wing and conservative, because there's, you know, we we're all here, and the T shock should really represent all people. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to st- step away from those if those are his values and realize, oh, okay, now I have to represent all people, whether yeah. I like it or not. I need to deal with some really important issues like abortion and so forth, and, and I hope he does that. Do you think he will repeal the eight in his in his reign? I don't think he has a, he has a choice. Or do you think mm. it will happen under his I, reign? I genuinely think there's no, that he doesn't have a choice because the, the movement, uh, the reproductive rights movement has really in the last, uh, since Savita Halapanavar, yeah. yeah, you just—it's like the water charges. It's not going to go away, you no. know. The, and it's not just women; it's men, it's families, it's people with children. You know, mm-hmm. we all realize that this—we need to, we need to really—it's yeah. an urgent issue. We can't have because the thing is, again, if you have a bit of money, you can go to the UK and and get a get a termination. But the reality is, it's the most vulnerable. It's the girl. It's the young girls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the migrant women. It's the homeless. Women who who are going to you know yeah. have this issue. Pe- women who are maybe have been raped, have been abused, have been um, become pregnant as a you know because of you know a crisis situation. Mm. You know, so you, we need to legislate for for this situation. Absolutely, um, Dale. It's been absolutely fascinating having you, in and I've you're totally very inspiring. Oh, thanks, and you guys are yeah. lads, you're lovely. You're really lovely. I <laughs> didn't realize forty five minutes already went by. So yeah, quick. <laughs> we've actually kept you longer than we said we would. Sorry about this. Um, Sorry about yeah. that. Sorry. Um, Let's have a good cry now. Come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. Hang on, I'll stick on that mic and the mechanics on. Yeah. yeah. Um, if people aren't already following you on social media, though, you're on Twitter. Yeah, Dill W. Yeah, that's that's really it. And then every Saturday. Every Saturday, 7 p.m. on Newstalk. You yeah, interviewed my dad. I did. Yeah, with Keith. Keith. Uh, Caroline's friends. Oh, that's the right. Borough Legends. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. the Borough Legends—they're awesome. Yeah. And every year they're getting bigger and yeah. bigger. And God, that's that's a, that's some legacy you have there that you have yeah. big yeah. shoes to fill. And this <laughs> I and know. That, you know. They're on their way to dictatorship, and you know, that, like <laughs> world domination and all yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, like we're saying about Leo, we have to keep an eye. We have to keep an eye. <laughs> an eye that's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Um, Leo will be still leader in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so Thanks much, for Dale. Thanks um, for your time. You. Lads, if uh, you haven't already, you can hit subscribe and all that on iTunes. There's 103 episodes waiting for you right there. And, um, More than 103, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, you know yeah. what I mean. You know what I mean. I won't get all Gary Michael. Yeah, come on. Thanks. Pedantic, man. Pedantic. 
Um, yeah, Andy. and it's on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, anywhere and everywhere. There's a podcast. Just search WTS Pod and you'll find us. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland or WTSPod.com. Twitter at WTS Pod, lads. <laughs> like at this point, I say it every episode. I know. <laughs> so like, I was waiting you for you to feck up. Yeah, no, I just kind of like every time that I start to rattle this off, I'm like, I should just record it once and just, you know what I mean? But anyway, uh, you're at Medica Mania, I'm at Dan Murray, FitzpatrickCastle.com to find out more about the hotel and come up and check out their restaurant and all that. But lads, until next week. Here it was. Full hearts. Can't lose. Good luck. Too sweet.